0: As we return to this study of the book of Luke, you'll recall in the previous studies of this particular portion of Scripture that Jesus and his disciples had been out there on the Sea of Galilee and they had encountered a violent storm. And with the ease of a master, Jesus stood up and he simply spoke to those winds and the waves. And they immediately obeyed his voice and they ceased their rage. And now here in these words that we'll study today, we see that Jesus and his disciples traveled on across the Sea of Galilee and there they landed in this country called the country of the Gadarenes. And there they encountered a man who was filled with demons. Filled with demons. And that encounter sometimes brings a question to the minds of the people who read it. And it should also bring a question to your and my mind. And that question is, do you, do I really and truly believe that there really is a realm of existence? One that swirls all around us each day. A realm where creatures that these scriptures call demons exist and they have their being. And they actually involve themselves within the activities of ordinary people. Ordinary people like you and me. Now we say we do. We say that we believe what we read here in these scriptures about these demons. Especially those of us who put our trust in the Lord Jesus. And the, and we read these scriptures. We say that we accept and we believe that all of this is true. That there really is a mystical realm of existence beyond this natural world that we can see and touch this world where you and i live and have our being but do we believe that there's another realm a realm that's spoken about in the book of ephesians and it's a realm that's called heavenly places heavenly places now that's a place that's not heavenly as we understand heaven to be but instead it also has realms of darkness within it and it's there that these beings have their existence and there they're called principalities and powers and in other places called demons and again that is where they live and move and have their being. Most of us don't want to think about that realm because it's fearsome to us but the Lord Jesus is pointing directly to this realm today in these scripture verses today and he's telling us about Some of those beings that he talked about in Ephesians chapter 6. Let me read about that realm. Ephesians chapter 6 beginning in verse 10. There we're told, My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now this is our protection as we go through our day. He says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That cleverness that cleverness of speech and all that took place there with Eve in the garden, that first encounter with one of these demons. It says, "...put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places." Now, I want to remind us that that realm of existence isn't just out there somewhere. And it's not down there under the ground. Yes, it is out there and under the ground. But more importantly, these scriptures declare to us that that realm of existence is really all around us. And those beings that live within that realm, they're able to reach across the boundaries of that realm over into ours. And they invade our personal lives and they affect many of the things that we do we can't see them so we don't know that it's them that's doing it but they are doing that now unfortunately and somewhat contrary to the statement i made a moment ago though most of us do say that we believe and accept that those demonic beings exist most of us hedge in our full acceptance and belief about those creatures. We almost believe, but because we can't see them, we don't quite believe in them. And there's a danger in that. Now we do freely talk about how the devil is always at work. That flows out of our mouths easily. We'll say, oh, that is the way the devil attacks. But then too often, we'll push those thoughts aside. And then I've heard so many people Quickly add, oh, but we are so sinful in our own hearts. We don't really need the devil to influence us. And so we factor out his presence and his influence. But folks, listen, I plead with us to not be naive about this. We need to read these scriptures and believe exactly what they say. There really are demons all around us. Each of them doing what demons do. And they attack and they hurt us and our loved ones on a regular basis. It's not just people and their mistreatment that's taking place when we have these very difficult encounters. And you can recall some of those perhaps even within this past week. A difficult encounter with other people. And we think, oh, that person is just mean or nasty. People do those things, yes. But may I encourage us to understand that within most of those circumstances that there are demonic beings also involved. They're a part of that mistreatment that's taking place by those people. And a warning, if we will allow it to take place, we can be used by those same demons to be nasty to somebody else. When was the last time you lost your temper with someone? And told them what you really thought. Again, listen to these words. Ephesians chapter 6. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That person in front of us. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness. In the heavenly places. That is truth. All of these scriptures are truth. And so this is also truth. And Jesus wants us, wants you and me to really believe these words, else he would not have put them here. And as you will recall, as we have been reading through this book of Luke, this is only the fifth or the tenth time, perhaps, that the demonic world has been involved in some of the work that Jesus was doing. Here in this account that I'll read for us in a moment, Jesus gives us... A clear account of the demons and what demons do. And no, demons are not often as obvious as this one that we will see and read about here in this text. These many demons. Because they most often prefer to stay concealed within their dark realm. And we only see the faces of the people. But they're really real. Listen to these words now. This is our text and this is verse 26 in Luke chapter 8. Now, Jesus and his disciples had just landed in their boat in the country of the Gadarenes. Then they, Jesus and his disciples, they sailed to the country of Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. When he stepped out onto the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. He wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What shall I do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded, this is Jesus, had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. For it had seized him and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke those bonds and was driven by the demons into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. Now in other messages, we've noted that while people are calmly going about their normal daily activities, the demonic world is also doing much the same. They're going about their normal activities, and it's that of inserting themselves into the the things that are taking place in people's lives. But unlike the people who lived in the day that Jesus walked this earth, they were far more willing to acknowledge the presence of demons. But people of our day, in our culture, we are not very inclined to believe such things. Demonic involvement within people's lives today is not, as I mentioned a moment ago, as obvious as it was In this poor man's life. The people of our day instead prefer to ignore or even deny the existence of demons and just put the causes of all of that evil and that violent behavior over into the realms of psychology and psychiatry. We especially like to attach these medical diagnoses to a person's behavior. We call it a syndrome or we call it a disorder. Or we just simply say that person is insane. And we're getting to where we're not able to even use that word anymore. It's not acceptable in this culture. But we do prefer to do that rather than talk about the underlying cause, the demonic world. But folks, listen, thankfully Jesus did not do that. He did not do as we do today. He knew well that Satan and his demonic companions were so often present and at work in the people's lives that he encountered on a daily basis. And listen, your and my response should be the same as that of the Lord Jesus. We should call it for what it really is, demonic influence and demonic possession. Now, I'm not saying that we should walk up to a person and just say, you are under the influence of a demon. I'm simply saying, you and I, need to recognize what we have in front of us and not be so naive as to think it is simply someone with some deranged mind. I think of this man who killed these four young people out in Idaho a few days ago. Did he have a syndrome? Was he insane? You and I will hear those words mentioned very quickly as the world starts to reach in and evaluate all that's taking place there in those murders and in that man that killed those young people. Folks, I don't want to be naive. Now, here in today's message, I'd like for us to consider the responses, and that's what we're talking about here. What is our response to what took place out there in Idaho? What is the response of all the ones who are involved in that investigation and the family and, and all of, of those young people. Here in today's message, I want you and I to consider the responses that each of these people had to the encounters of their circumstance here with this man and with the Lord Jesus. Now first, beginning with the Lord Jesus, what was the Lord Jesus doing that day? The Lord Jesus was being about what his father had sent him to do. John chapter 6, For I come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus was about doing the Father's will. He was faithful and he was always doing that. And all of his responses to all that he encountered followed along that plan. Here in this context, Jesus encountered this man who was completely consumed with demonic beings. And as Jesus often did, he told those demons to leave That man. Verse 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized him and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Now what was the response of the demons? Now note here, one of the demons, probably the most powerful of all the demons that were possessing that man at the time... Verse 28, he was probably speaking for all the others. When he saw Jesus, this demon, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion. By the way, a legion is a number of soldiers in the Roman army, and they were anywhere from 6,000 to 12,000. And so this man had thousands of demons within him, most likely. He said, my name is Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Now folks, listen, the demons knew very well what their future fate was. It was the abyss. That bottomless pit in which the inhabitants would be tormented day and night forever and ever. We're told that all through the book of Revelation. Uh, Let me read just a couple of the verses here. This is Revelation chapter 9. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet and he saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke of the abyss. The demons within this man did not want to be cast into that bottomless pit with its eternal torment. There were already many demons had been cast into that abyss for earlier evil that they had done. And so they, these demons, they begged for mercy and to instead be sent into this herd of pigs. Now why would Jesus grant the request of those vile demons? Why would he not just go ahead and send those demons into the abyss where they would eventually go? I believe it's for a very simple reason. And it's the same reason that he doesn't go ahead and send us into the abyss. During that time, Jesus was not in his role as judge. Later on, yes, he would sit in his judgment seat and he would judge the works of all men and all angels. But at that moment, it was not yet time. And so he granted these demons their request. Now, I'd like to add there, it's the same reason that he doesn't judge you and me today for the evil things that we do. It's not our time yet to stand before him and his judgment seat. And so it wasn't for these demons that made this request of him. Verse 32, Now a herd of many swine were feeding on the mountain, so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake, and they drowned. Now, note again, there's a reality that's being revealed to us here. And that is that Jesus is master over all of the earth and everything in it and everything that takes place. And so it was that he also had absolute power and control over those demons. They could do nothing except by his permission. That's an odd thought, but it's true. You recall the same kind of circumstance took place with that old servant Job. The devil was asking God to let him Just be merciless to Job. But he could only do what God permitted him. And so it was here. They couldn't do anything except by permission. Verse 32. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter the pigs. And he permitted them. Now another thing that we need always to acknowledge and believe is that God is providential. He orchestrates the circumstances of our daily lives. And that was so with this demon-possessed man. This man most likely had no common sense remaining within him. It appears to be so in the way he was behaving. He was so consumed and so controlled by that horde of demons. So then, a question. How did this demon-possessed man suddenly find himself standing in front of the one man on the face of the earth that could help him? I love to consider those thoughts. That was not just a happenstance. Let me remind you of some words that I've shared with us so often here recently and they come from John chapter 6. And then those words, Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. No one can come to me except the Father draw him. And this man, this man in his crazed demonic condition, he had no sense of his own, so he wasn't seeking You hear people talk about that so often, that people seek the Lord. No, Romans chapter 3 says none of us seeks the Lord. This man was not seeking the Lord. He had no sense of his own. He was drawn there by God's Spirit so that he could receive the healing for his soul that only Jesus could give. Now that was true for this man, but let me remind you that it's true for us, every one of us. It was true in that very moment that we surrendered our hearts to Christ and that we were saved. And it's the same thing that's taking place as we gather in church like this. Let me return then to these responses. As those swineherders, as they saw their herd running violently down into the water to drown, their response was to run quickly and tell the townspeople. And those townspeople responded by coming out to Jesus... And with great fear, asking him to leave them. Listen, then they went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus, and they found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also, who had seen it, they told him by what means the demon possessed man was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with fear. Now, we might attribute the reason those people wanted Jesus to leave them was because they probably lost a good portion of their wealth in the loss of those pigs. But these scriptures say, no, that's not the reason. The real reason that they were asking Jesus to leave them was that they had great fear. Why would they be seized with fear? We can only conjecture. But I personally, I have no doubt. It's because demons were probably controlling many of them. Not as obviously as they were with this one man. But once demons are able to gain a foothold in an area, they seem to thrive and multiply in that area. We see that in these crime ridden cities all across the u.s in the gangs in the drug cartels all down through those drug cartels in south america and all the awful things that we hear about do we believe that flesh and blood is doing that by themselves of their own volition scripture says no these scriptures say no there's demonic involvement And they have a foothold in those cities and in the lives of those people. Now, lastly, let us look at the response of this man who had been healed. Now, the man from whom the demons had departed begged Jesus that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and he proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done. Folks, to whom much is given, much is required. That's true for you. That's true for me. This man, this man had been given much and it was so very obvious. He had been freed from the control of those demons. And no doubt in this context, he also was now going to enjoy eternal life in heaven. But this man wanted to receive even more from Jesus. But Jesus has a better plan. He wanted this man to begin immediately to give back that which he had received. And that's the way it should be. Too often we delay. And those delays can be devastating to all that we're doing. Delay gives opportunity for the world, the flesh, and the devil. To find all sorts of excuses for us to not be about the works of God. Let me give you one Example, Matthew chapter 12. When an unclean spirit comes out of a man, which took place here. When an unclean spirit comes out of a man, he goes through dry places. This is the spirit. Goes through dry places seeking rest and he finds none. Then he says, well, I will go back to my house from whence I came. And when he comes and he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Now that's the first condition of a person who first surrenders, to some extent at least, to the, to the Lord. May not be saved. Most likely not. But they have walked that aisle and they have prayed that prayer. So the demon comes back and he finds, he, he finds the soul of this person empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and they dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. This man needed to get about the ministry that Jesus had assigned to him. Lest these demons were going to come right back. And then completely overwhelm this man. Jesus' instruction to this man is the same that he gives again to you and me. He says to us, as I have been sent, so send I you. You must go and do what I'm doing. And yes, often more discipleship and more training is needed And each person should do that. But once we have received the call of Christ. To go and to minister. Woe be unto us. If we heed not his calling. This man here. Received a direct call from Christ. To go and to make him known. And thankfully that's exactly what this man did. Listen. Verse 39. And he went his way and he proclaimed throughout the whole city. What great things Jesus had done for him. Now. Before I close today, we need to mention one other thing. And it's very sad. It's a very sad response. And it's the final response that the Lord Jesus had to these townspeople. Listen to these simple words. Verse 37 Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them. For they were seized with great fear. And listen, and he got into the boat. Simple words. Here we understand that those people then, and you and I even now, can disinvite Jesus and his presence from us. Those people could disinvite Jesus and they did, but so can you and I. We can cause him to leave our presence and he'll do exactly as we ask him. Unbelievers throughout our world have refused Jesus and they've disinvited his presence. And he has shaken the dust off of his garment and he's left them. And we, folks, need only to look around us at the condition of this world, and especially in our own country, this wonderful country of America, to see the ill effects of telling Jesus that we don't want him in our presence. We don't want him in our schools. We don't want him in our public media. We don't want His name to be mentioned even. And we do that daily. And folks, listen. Those of us who confess Christ as Savior, we also are in danger of behaving in the same way as those, all those unbelievers do out there, at least for a time, for a season. Sometimes, perhaps often, we'll get caught up in some sinful conduct, some sinful behavior, And by our actions, we may not say we want Him to leave us. But by our behavior, we disinvite His presence. And while He doesn't leave us completely and permanently, if we have Christ as our Savior, we can't be unsaved. But His immediate presence can be reduced to just a faint glow. These scriptures call that grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit. And we can do that so easily... And so often, and not even know that we're doing it. And we need to be careful of that sort of thing. There's such danger there. And if you find yourself doing that, then you need to really, I need to really, turn our hearts back to Him, repent of our sins, and ask Him to come back in to fill our hearts again. Now, one final thought. We'll close. At the beginning of this message, I asked the question, Do you? Do I really believe that there really is a realm swirling all about us each day, a realm where demons live and interact with all that takes place with us here in this natural realm? Folks, I want to encourage, exhort, admonish us to believe that, yes, demons really are real. We can't see them, and we tend to not want to believe in them. But they are there, and they do invade, and they influence our own personal lives why should we believe that Jesus is telling us those very words here in these scriptures now let me give us one word of encouragement we need not fear their presence they cannot do anything to us except by his permission and if you and I surrender ourselves over to him on a daily basis and put on that full armor of God then he is our protector He is our strong shield against all those attacks of those devils. We can walk through any circumstance. Those people being unkind to us, perhaps on the telephone. Or in any of the businesses that we might go into. Or perhaps a neighbor. He is our strong protector. The Lord Jesus is our strong protector. And we can walk confidently throughout our day without fear. And we can do as this man did because to us much has been given so we must give back we can do as this man did he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him we can do that let's pray Lord dear father you know that this is a subject that we don't like we don't like to think that there are these unseen creatures that are influencing our thinking, influencing our behaviors, influencing those around us to do things that shouldn't be done. They know how to influence us because they know the things that we like and dislike. Help us, Lord, to surrender it all to you, and especially to surrender our very soul to you every moment of every day. Help us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.